Welcome to this week's Extra Innings Podcast here at the Seattle Times. I'm Mariners beat writer Ryan Divish, your host of our weekly, semi-weekly, um, every 10 days, whenever I feel like it, podcast into baseball, the Mariners. Uh, we didn't do food this week, but, you know, just whatever kind of Larry Stone and I talk about. Um, this week, obviously, we're talking about Robinson Cano and the announcement that he's been suspended for 80 games for a positive test. Not for a PED, but a PED masking agent. Um, the news came down Tuesday. Obviously, that was a pretty hectic day. Larry and I wanted to kind of do a podcast reacting to it, maybe Wednesday, but just logistically with the day game and everything else, the Facebook game, which many people were not pleased about. Um, it just didn't work. So we recorded this Thursday afternoon. I'm in Tacoma. I actually have the night off. I'm going to the Rainiers game. Got to see Jason Worth. Um as part of the podcast, similar to what we did the last time, I'll have the audio of Jerry DePoto meeting with the media on Tuesday to discuss uh, Robinson Cano's suspension, what they're going to do going forward, which includes moving D. Gordon to second base, uh, possibly spending some of that $11 million that Cano isn't that they Cano loses on other stuff. So we'll give you that Jerry audio as well. So I hope you enjoy this week's show. Okay, this is the audio of uh, Jerry DePoto at Safeco Field on Tuesday talking to the media about the suspension of Robinson Cano. I'll I'll give it to you all in the entirety. Can you just kind of walk us through when you knew and all the process about all this? He found out, found out, speaking with Robbie, his agents, late yesterday afternoon, uh, early evening, just before our game was scheduled to start. And uh, and then the wheels got in motion for us. Uh, Robbie, Speaking with him personally feels terrible, uh, very apologetic, understands that he made a mistake um, and wanted me to convey and, and wanted me to convey to the team that, that you know, this is, you know, he, he feels terrible to let his teammates down, but that, you know, he's not used performance enhancing drugs, that this is a diuretic. And, uh, you know, unfortunately, it's, 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 it's the same result. He's, he's going to be suspended for eight games and, and we've got to handle that moving forward. We support the commissioner's stance on it. That's something I think we're going to move forward with. <laughs> Can when you does help that start? that process happen to move in this phase? We're not going to rush. You know, he's going to play center field. Uh, he's going to play center field tonight. He's going to he's going to break out his infield glove and, and start taking some ground balls, and we'll assess from there. We haven't made that decision definitively, but when Scott and, and D and I just spoke about it. He's game for for helping out and doing what the team needs and. And we're gonna we're gonna see how that goes in the next couple of days as far as working that. It's early, but how much of an option is it to look outside right now? Uh, I think we'll definitely look outside in in the ability to augment the team. But the one thing, and we said this when we acquired D Gordon, we didn't want to jerk D back and forth. We didn't want to move him around. So he's worked so hard to pick up center field, and you can just see in the last two weeks he's gotten more comfortable out there. And then, uh, it's, as he said, it's fun for him now. So we don't want to move him around haphazardly. So give him the opportunity to move in one time uh, and then move back when when that becomes a reality is something that we're committed to if he in fact moves full time. So uh, moving outside, we could now look at the potential for second baseman. We could look at the potential for outfielders, you know, people who can help our team get better. The good thing is internally we have we have answers to, to supplement our outfield program, maybe more so than what's going on in the middle of the that subject with you or did you broach it with him? No, we just called him and spoke to him. 
Jerry, did, did Robbie give you any indication why he decided to drop the appeal at this point? No, that's not my that's not my business, nor is my question answered. Did you have any results on his uh, doctor's appeal today with him? No, there's been enough else going on that I've not yet had a chance to, to unearth that. But there was a 99% certainty he's going to have surgery tomorrow in Philadelphia and, and return to Seattle toward the end of the week. Is he allowed to stay around the club, or is he now out of here for those 80 days? Uh, he will not He will not be able to remain with the club uh, during the games, etc. but he'll be able to come in here and, and rehab his injury. Uh, he just won't be able to do it while the gates are open or or the, the, the club is on the field. Jerry, once he's healthy, can he go to Arizona and go to Instructs and work out there? Uh, only for a period of time, not, not uh, open-endedly. There's a, there's a limit to how long we can do that. Jerry, can how long do you think you'd be careful before you are comfortable before he slide back in the center base? You know, Rick, I, I think we're just going to play it day by day. He, it's, per his estimation, he hasn't taken a ground ball since early December. So it's a that yeah. we don't want to rush into it. He's such a good athlete that it could be two, three days. It could be that we just decide to, to keep him in center field because it makes more sense based on his comfort. And we'll find out as we go. Can you just clarify the timeline? Again, there, there was a report out there that the positive test was actually in the off season. So is that accurate? And then when, when I, I can't tell you if that's accurate or not. What I know is they, they let me know yesterday that he will be out for, for 80 games, and that's what matters to me is this team and how to solve that moving forward. Jerry, the, the way the positive test works, you guys aren't notified. It's through the players, and the player has to notify you. Yeah, you know, the, the JDA, and rightfully so, there's confidentiality associated with it. And, you know, Robinson, his his uh, agents, Brody Van Wagner and Kyle Thousand, got on the phone with, with John Stanton, Kevin Matter, and I late yesterday afternoon. And fill this in. Obviously, in the time since, we've communicated back and forth with with Central Baseball, and, and we've communicated internally about how to solve this moving forward. And you know, it, the, the biggest thing for us is the 2018 Mariners and how we maintain our position in the standings of the game and put ourselves in position so that when Robinson does return, and he will, uh, that we are in position to, to make the best of that. Jerry Robinson said that he did not know that this was a banned substance. Are the players educated? Are there seminars or different things that they go to where they, they come to an understanding of what is and is not allowed? Yeah, I mean, the lists are out there. They're, they're available. Uh, and it, it's a matter of what you're interested in looking at. You know, we, we all have the opportunity to, to take a look behind the curtain. Some choose to and some choose not to. You know, and I think that's Robbie said. He's in his world. He wishes he would have done things differently or been more careful. And I think that's what he was alluding to, because he knows clearly. He knows now that he did something wrong. He didn't know that going in. And if he had it to do over again, he would he would read the fine print. Jerry, how did you react emotionally when you heard it yesterday? Uh, disappointment. You know, we're all disappointed. We're disappointed. We just lost one of our best players, and, and really, it's a—I mean, it's a hit. It's a hit to, to Robbie. It's a hit to our club, to, to the franchise in general, to baseball. This is one of the great players in the game, and, and I think it's—it's uh, it's important to know that that's—it's—it's it's hurtful to our fans. I mean, it's—it's it's one of those things that, that really leaves an impression. But, and I, I felt that disappointment, and I, I think you've all probably figured out. An optimistic person by nature, it, it, it then turned to all right. How do we turn this as positive as we can and solve the problem? And that's what I've been thinking about since. How do you see the team reacting to this? I mean, it could be, as you mentioned, kind of a psychological blow. Uh, I'm sure it'll be a psychological blow in a negative way initially, but th this team has a has a nice resilient quality to it, and it could also be a galvanizing moment where where they continue to pull together. 
We've been down. I think the way we've played so far this year, the way you've seen it come together, we've been down in games, 3-0, 5-0. We come back, and, and I think they'll come back from this. I, it'll, be, it'll, it'll sting when, when, they, when they sit down together, but I'm sure now as social media goes, they're all aware of, of what's happened before they walk in that door. Now it's just a matter of, of picking it up and moving forward. With the suspension, will he still have access to team meetings and things like that, or is it just to be back here to rehab and that's it? Just to rehab and that's it. Jay, could you still appeal the fact that you wouldn't be able to play in the playoffs? No, that's, he's ineligible to play in this season, in the 2018 postseason. And the, uh, the money that you have to go without paying for, that's something you could use throughout the roster maybe? Could sure, yeah. It's, it, I mean, obviously that's that's part of this, and uh, not something. Again, this has been less than 24 hours that we've had a chance to process this, but not something that we've spent a great deal of time on. But we've certainly looked at, at outside alternatives as, as something of a possibility. All right. Okay, let's get to Larry Stone and our uh, conversation we had over Skype, so you should be able to hear it pretty clearly. Let's welcome in Larry Stone uh, to the podcast, my bestest buddy at the Seattle Times. Bob Condotta is going to hear that. He's going to be all upset now. <laughs> I'm honored. I'm, I, I'm thrilled. I know. It's touched. Like, yeah. Uh, uh, what's going on? Where are you at? I'm at home. I'm technically on vacation this week, although I've had to work twice, <laughs> what, two and a half times during this vacation because... Uh, Chuck Knox died and Robinson Cano got busted and uh, so uh, it was not exactly a carefree vacation but but uh, things have finally settled down a little bit and once I get done with the, this podcast I'll go back to uh, lounging around the house oh man that's that's not a bad day <laughs> no it's been fun my daughter's home from college um, she's only here for two weeks and then she starts a an internship, a summer internship, so I just uh, decided to take vacation so I could uh, hang out with her. Well, that's not bad. Uh, yeah. yeah, I had uh, I had Tuesday. So let's get into Tuesday. Uh, mm. Tuesday, uh, what were you doing? So when did you see the tweet from Hector Gomez? Uh, it was, actually it was on the thread that you and I are on with a, with a bunch of other sports writers. Somebody linked to it. It must have been around 9.30 or 10 in the morning maybe uh and you know it it cited uh what was it unnamed sources and unconfirmed reports but i still felt it was pretty uh i had a funny feeling that it was true because it was a reporter who had you know sixty thousand followers it wasn't just some crackpot off the streets yeah uh you know a respected reporter so i kind of uh told myself this is going to be a long day and then it wasn't much longer before 
Rosenthal was the first person who actually confirmed it, I think, and then uh, then we were off. What about you? Um, yeah, I think I was I was at the I was getting my hair cut, and so I was in um, I was at the barber shop, and my barber, for whatever reason, his um, his his shop is like a vortex of no cell service. So it's like a it's a dead spot of cell service. <laughs> so I'm trying to like check my Twitter and I and I see this and I and I I've heard of Hector Gomez before. I checked on him. And you just and if you're that guy, you don't throw that out there. You don't tweet that unless you know you have it. You know, like you trust your source. So then I'm like, "Okay." So then in that moment, the the guy's cutting my hair and I'm texting sources trying to get this figured out cursing many times and then um kind of got like a heads up that this was probably going to happen so then i'm just like hurry up and cut my hair i don't even care how it looks i gotta go uh and then, that was readily apparent by the way when i saw you oh yeah thank you thank you thank you <laughs> you know so and that was supposed to be my day like uh, a day off we were going to go play trivia that night uh you guys have heard about this but we were going to go play trivia so i was going to take that tuesday off and um yeah it just didn't didn't happen so we had to go up there and and um it was an interesting day. I mean, I can honestly say I've never covered something like that before. Uh, have you? Uh, I've covered players being suspended before, but uh, not of that stature. Um, that's what made this this so uh, uh, huge was that this was the, the the leading player on the team. I mean, one of the superstars of baseball a huge name it was a huge national story not just a local story and uh that's what that's what made it stunning it was it was robinson cano so uh yeah it was uh it was definitely something that uh you knew was bigger than just uh you know just a play, just a random player getting a steroid suspension yeah this isn't the 25th guy on the roster getting that this is an epic superstar uh and you know, I just, I was stunned, and then, but you're surprised, but you're not surprised. You know what I mean? Uh, but it was, so now, this year, you and I have covered uh, Robbie Cano with a PED suspension. We've covered a guy moving to the special advisor to the chairman role. <laughs> I mean, you know. Well, yeah, we had uh, Jerry DePoto uh, practically at the same spot a week earlier had uh, greeted a huge media throng to talk about the Ichiro move uh, on Tuesday greeted a equally huge media throng this time there were more news reporters the uh, Chris Daniels types yeah. who were there uh, you know to uh, to address uh, this uh, far more somber than the uh, than the Ichiro situation I mean you know the, as I wrote and we've talked about and is fairly obvious this is a gigantic blow to this team in so in so many ways, image wise, oh. season wise, financially. You know, you're paying this guy for five more years, and you, you have to wonder, you know, is, is how much of a success has been predicated on uh, PEDs, and what will it be like moving forward? It, you know, so they do save the eleven million dollars, but. Uh, um, you know the, the damage is is uh, to to the image of Cano and of the team is uh, uh, you, you you can't put a price tag on it and and, and it's going to take a while for for this to 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 go away. All right, let's get into it. Did he do it? 
Well, <laughs> I mean, he definitely tested positive for this diuretic, which, by the way, is also on the banned list of, of substances by the World Anti-Doping Agency, which regulates the Olympics and, and, and that sort of thing, uh, because it's used as a masking agent commonly. And MLB, once he had that positive test, it, the onus was on them to prove that it was being used to to mask something. And that is what they obviously concluded, because at that point, I believe he dropped his his uh, his appeal. Robinson did. Yeah. So, I mean, I who knows? I'm not going to say anything definitively, but. Uh, all signs to me point to uh, that, that, that that there's a strong likelihood that what MLB is claiming is uh, is is what happened. Okay, he's guilty of being careless and stupid, basically for certain. Okay, wh- wh- whether or not you know he took the a PED and he was using the diuretic to mask it, fine. If if say we believe him, say he took he, he took a diuretic from now. Cano's people obviously are leaking information to Mark Feinsand, or sources leaking to Mark Feinsand at MLB.com, trying to get it out there. Basically, what they told Feinsand was he tested clean the test before, pop positive, then tested clean after that. He was taking the diuretic for uh, high blood pressure. Okay, you can take a diuretic in MLB per the testing, but you have to fill out paperwork to take it. Okay, you, you have to show that there is a, a legitimate... Uh, medical reason for you taking it. He didn't do any of that. He just took something from a licensed or not from a doctor down there, and then he's surprised that he pops positive. You know, and it's it, he. They know these guys have been educated. One of his best friends is Nelson Cruz. All right, he, he, these guys have been around it. So it's just if if he didn't take the PEDs and he just took the diuretic, like he says, then he's guilty of being stupid and careless. If he did take it and he's masking it, then you have to start wondering how long he's done it. Um, I, I want to say I'm never surprised by any of this, like I said. But at the same time, we both know Cano and, and how he thinks about his legacy in the game. And he just trashed it. I mean, he absolutely trashed his entire legacy with this. Yeah, absolutely. Just one other point on the, the diuretic. You know, I did some research. And the, the Mayo Clinic has 11, it lists 11 classes of drugs and there's scores of individual medicines that he could have used for high blood pressure. Yeah. And he chose the one that's you know, notoriously used as a masking agent and banned by the World Doping Agency, Anti-Doping Agency, and Major League Baseball. So, uh, you know, I'm just, I'm just skeptical of the whole thing. I've just heard, you know, as I wrote, uh, I, I sat on a folding chair when uh, Ryan Braun uh, – vehemently and thunderously denied ever using any PEDs and the, the, the how he would go to his grave claiming that he had never used them and that it was a, a tremendous injustice had been done on him. Uh, and then only a few months later, uh, he was nailed again and, and confessed that he had been using all along. So, you know, players are, uh, their first instinct is to deny, deny, deny. There's no benefit hardly for them to to admit anything so i you know robinson cano is going to continue to deny that he used anything but i've just (laughs) just conditioned from 20 plus years of covering this stuff uh uh from lance armstrong to to marion jones or whatever it's deny 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 and i i just have 
become conditioned to be skeptical of the whole thing. So that's that. And as far as his legacy, uh, yeah, that's how it's, this is always going to be a scarlet letter on him, you know, and when it comes time to hall of fame voting, uh, I, I think it's going to cost him the hall of fame. I really do. And he's and a hall of fame can, level player as yeah, a second baseman. As a, yeah, I think he is. I mean, you probably could make a, a case if this hadn't happened, there, there would have been a good, healthy debate about whether he's a Hall of Famer. But I think, uh, you know, I think he's certainly, uh, you know, a couple more good seasons. It would have, the, the debate would have waned. I think he probably would have gotten in. But now, you know, the the the, the comparable that I cite is uh, Rafael Palmero, five hundred home runs, three thousand hits. Which there's only, uh, I think, uh, Willie Mays, uh, Eddie Murray, and. Uh, and one other person has uh, Hank Aaron three three thousand hits and five hundred homers, and you sail into the Hall of Fame with that combination. But he lasted four years on the ballot, never got more than twelve percent. Then he was off the ballot because he got under five percent. Uh, and why? Because he had a, a positive drug test after testing was insti- instituted. Um, so uh, yeah, you know he did have the congressional thing where he. Pounded the podium and said he never used steroids, but I don't think that's what why people don't vote for him. They don't vote for him because after the rules had been established, he violated the the <laughs> policy and tested uh, uh, positive. And I think that's a comparable for Cano. Uh, it, you know, he won't be on the ballot for. You know, he's got five more years of his contract, then the five year waiting period plus whatever time he plays after his uh, suspend or after his uh, contract runs out. So it could be 10, 12 or more years before he's on the ballot. And, you know, maybe, maybe the, the, the thinking uh, will have completely changed by then on PEDs and maybe it won't even be an issue anymore. Uh, but as it stands right now, uh, I think this is going to be uh, a death knell for his chances. He has twenty four hundred hits. He could have got. He could get to three thousand. Yeah. yeah, there's a lot of people at three thousand who no longer are going to be in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, a, you know, A Rod's in the same boat. Yeah, uh, the, the all time hits leader's not in the Hall of Fame. Well, yeah. uh, Manny Ramirez is not in the Hall of Fame. Look at his numbers too. He's not going to be in the Hall of Fame. No, yeah, I don't think he's been on the ballot yet. But, but he won't uh, be. Uh, no, he's not going to. Uh, he's not going to make it. Uh, yeah, I mean, <laughs> Roger Clemens, Barry Bonds. So many great, great, great players, uh, because of the taint of steroids, uh, are just are just not going in. And and you know I I distinguished between those who whose allegations are before two thousand and four. I think it was when uh, the policy was put into place, and after that. Uh, so the, the people like Bonds, before there was testing, when it was kind of the wild, wild west, uh, I voted for the I voted for Bonds and Clemens. I've, I, I voted for McGuire at various times, but I didn't vote for Palmero. So, you know, I'll have a hard time voting for Cano. But again, you know, in 15 years, uh, 10 to 15 years when he's on the ballot, you know, I, I, I reserve the right to change my mind and have a whole new way of looking at it. But if he were on the ballot tomorrow, I don't... Excuse me, I don't think I'd vote for him. Ten years from now when he's eligible, I, be, I, either, I either better be a lottery winner or I'll probably be back in Montana riding a tractor. So, um, you know, go back to Braun for a second. 
because of Ryan, and, and really the players should Ryan Braun ruin the appeal process for a lot of these players. MLB one, they're gonna de- you know players are denying like insurance companies. They gotta get that <coughs> little dig in. They deny it immediately. Uh, but two. Braun, because of the way he was so vocal in his denial and in, in the appeal process, and then it's overturned, and then he got popped, Major League Baseball, by nature, doesn't want their appeal process to, to have tests overturned because it opens up a box for other players. If the process that they are using uh, were ever to get, come into question completely, they don't want to walk that back. They'd be set up for liability lawsuits, all this other stuff. So in general, I can't ever see an appeal winning very often we've n- i've never heard of an appeal or a test getting turned overturned other than ryan braun and then yeah he, that was a that was a unique case with the way the the, yeah, the, the handling what, of it. the what the uh, federal express was closed so they had to keep it overnight I mean, it was just a uh unique set of circumstances um, yeah and, and you know and he ruined the, you know that guy's life got pretty well ruined because of that you know and then Braun, Braun knew it. I mean, like that's even worse for me. He stood up there and he knew he was guilty and he was getting lucky on a technicality, and then he gets nailed again in biogenesis. I mean, what yeah, the hell? Yeah, and he what a loathsome human being. He should get an Academy Award for that because, uh, like I said, I was there. It was at, it was at Maryville uh, on the uh, on the field. They set up these folding yeah. chairs, and there were about thirty reporters there, uh, and he convinced a lot of people with the with the with the vehemence of his denial and and the authentic what seemed to be the authenticity and the of, of the of, of his outrage that <laughs> i mean how how can anyone do that if they weren't truly innocent uh but you know uh it was all it was all an act and it's uh it just got that more than anything made me uh, skeptical of any denial that I that I that I hear, and particularly with the the uh, the onus on baseball to to prove that this was used that it was being used to mask something, and and then just the general history of of PEDs in the, in that sport, and uh, uh, it's just uh, you know I I I'm on the highly skeptical uh, uh, side of this of this the equation. That was a Diet Coke, people. That wasn't a big... Oh, and there's Larry's phone. Hey, Larry, do you think uh, you think he's doing it in the past? Uh, you know, I don't know. I hate to... He, he's tested clean for how many years? He's tested clean, uh, absolutely, ever since the test... Ever since he came into the major leagues, because this was his first positive test that we know of, unless he's won other appeals, you know, that, so it never came out. But... Uh, uh, I, you know, I don't even want to go there. I don't. I don't know. I, I don't know either. I mean, like the psychology of it. At age thirty-five, this is, would be the time if he had never done it before. But this is the time where a player might. And I don't want to play dime store psychologist. I'm not that guy. But we've seen that before in the past with players as their their swing starts to slow down, their body gets beat up. I mean, Cano was beat up all last year, leg injuries and such. That's when they tend to do it. But it's I, I wouldn't think so. Um, you know, I saw uh, Joel Sherman's column uh, about this and how a source within the Yankees, which I'm guessing was Randy Levine or one of the Steinbrenner brothers, you know, comes out and says, well, you know, he was friends with Melky and, and A-Rod and we knew this. I mean, that's, 
that's kind of revisionist for the Yankees to come out and say, you know, because they still offered him a $165 million contract that year. You know, they didn't offer him 214, but they still offered him a hundred and sixty some million dollar contract. So it wasn't like they were so afraid of him that they never wanted to touch him again. They just didn't want to offer him the two hundred million that Cano wanted. Yeah, and it was pretty convenient of them to come out oh, yeah. now yeah. now and say, Oh, we knew all along. I mean, you'd be naive to to dismiss it out of hand and say it wasn't a possibility. But, oh yeah. Uh, but um, you know, it's in, unless more information comes out, I I think it's 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 sort of unknowable, and you just you can make your own decision, but it's probably unfair to him to and to ascertain that. It's irresponsible to sit there and generalize all this stuff. You know, it's just like, look, this is where you have it. Unless you have some some empirical data or proof from the past, you know, you're, you're just guessing, and it, it just leads you down a road that I don't think you should do with anybody in that regard. But um, so we've we've gone over Robbie. Where do they go from here? Well, you know, when when he when he hurt his hand, mm-hmm. uh, and, and I mean that's the element of this too that's uh, so bizarre is that he was already going to be out for a month around with his injury, and then now all of a sudden this happens. And I I talked to somebody, you know, a very good source who told me that uh, the the appeal was dropped before the injury. Believe it or not, mm-hmm. I know a lot of people don't even, don't believe that and think think I'm full of uh, beans, but. You know, I, I trust my source implicitly on this. I one. know your source. I trust it. I trust your source too. Yeah. So uh, that is just a weird coincidence. Um, but when I thought it was just a hand injury for a month, I thought it would be uh, ill-advised to move uh, D. Gordon from center field to second base because they brought this guy in. They made him learn to play center field. He's worked long and hard at it. He's become, you know, he's made his mistakes, but I think he's about, uh, the learning curve is going to get a lot better. I mean, I think he's got great instincts out there and the potential to be a really good center fielder. I didn't think it would be fair to him to suddenly move him to second base for a month and, and right when he's about to, to get comfortable with it. Uh, however, when it became eight, it became 80 games, then I changed my mind. Uh, even before they said that's what they were going to do, I thought that's what they have to do. They have to move D. Court to second base for, for 80 games because uh, he's a gold glove caliber second baseman. Uh, I think, you know, even though there's problems with having uh, Heredia and Gamble playing every day, I think it's a better solution than having somebody like Gordon Beckham play every day for 80 games. So, uh, I, I think what they're doing is the way they have to handle it. You know, maybe, and I think it's also easier to go out and get a platoon partner outfielder than it is to go out and get a a really good second baseman, which did, just probably uh, don't exist on the market right now. I would agree completely. Um, I was the same way. I was like, you don't for for a four, four to six week period, you don't you just leave D where he's at and you try and eat it with the other way because. In that way, for four to six weeks, you're you're putting Heredia and Gamble out there largely on an everyday basis. So we're influencing two spots in the order re- relative to just one spot where you're putting Beckham or Romine, whoever fills that second base spot. You know, the the Mariners believed that D Gord or that uh, Ben Gamble and Guillermo Heredia are not everyday type of players that, you know, they get exposed and that uh, a platoon would work best for them. That hasn't changed. Uh, but 
I do think that like you look at it that way, move D back, he's comfortable there, and I think you can find an outfielder because look, they have eleven million dollars that they can spend. I don't think on any level they should spend it on like a an Adam Jones. Unless, you know, I mean, because you need pitching. We've seen that the last few days. This $11 million that Cano has gifted him through his stupidity, (laughs) they should use it on pitching. You know, and and it's not like you can go out and and buy a a pitcher right now per se, but that's how you have to spend it. We've seen that Juan Nicasio is struggling and they have right-handed relief issues. I mean, you can count up almost every day where they could use David Phelps and he's not there. And... Mark Zepchinski started to pitch better the other day when they couldn't feel the ground ball or, you know, cross up everything. But they had left-handed relief issues. And, you know, I'm still not sold on their starting rotation. So, yeah, I think it's easier to find, like you said, a platoon outfielder to take some pressure off of Heredia and Gamble and then leave D. Gordon there at second base. Yeah, and the other thing is we've we've uh, alluded to this in uh, in the past, but now it becomes really relevant. There are six teams that are on a hundred loss pace, yeah, and and several that are not far behind them. Uh, you know, usually in, in past years, uh, so many teams have been in contention for a possible wild card, or at least could uh, talk themselves into being in contention for a second wild card that they wanted to wait right to the July thirty first deadline before they made that call. There's eight teams that could make that call yesterday that they are not in contention, and yeah, let's uh, we're we're open for business. So I would scour those rosters for potential uh, outfield uh, solutions, but but even more so, what you were just talking about a setup reliever or a, a or a or a starter that could uh, you know uh, augment the the rotation. Uh, I would I would focus on the bullpen. Because the way you know, ride Wade LeBlanc as long as he can, uh, he's pitched as well as anybody. Um, but the bullpen—if you could get a good bullpen piece right now and be willing to take on a little salary because you have that extra money, then uh, then go do it. Here are the teams that are really, really terrible right now: the Orioles, the Marlins, the Royals, the White Sox, the Reds, the Padres, the Dodgers, and the Rangers. They're all like. And I don't know what the Dodgers are going to do. The Dodgers have 16 wins. They're 16 and 26. That's amazing. Um, they're not going to give. They're not going to go from the World Series though to uh, no. to a uh, you know. No, they're not going to uh, sell fire out. sale. Well, and they don't uh, really have pieces like that. That they you know the way their team is set up. But yeah, you talk about Miami or Baltimore. They can sell some pieces off. Um, I was it, listening to MLB.com earlier today, and Jim Duquette uh, uh, speculated that the Mariners should. Uh, Make a run at uh, Bartolo Colon to, for, because the Rangers aren't going anywhere, and they they could use rotation help. What, how about that? How do you like to cover? Uh, I would not. Sexy? I would not. I wouldn't mind that at all. He works fast. He throws strikes. The one thing is, is like the Mariners are the perfect team for him to go against because the Mariners just swing. They don't. They're they just swing, and everything he throws moves a little bit. And you know, they the Mariners are they're not going to walk. It's that's a perfect storm for that him to have success. I mean, he he's been good this year. Um, yeah, ZRA is. Uh, it's not just them. He's at the two point eight ERA. They are gonna. The Rangers are gonna 
trade get to trade him and get something back for him. Yeah. There will be teams that want Bartolo Colon uh, for the stretch drive, and that's amazing. I tell you, you know, he's going to be 45 before this year is out. He's older than Ichiro. Yeah, it's what's amazing too though is like, how do you swing it? What do you trade? I mean, the Mariners have to buy a contract ultimately. I think is what they're going to have to do. Um, but and though there's a ton of relief guys out there like that you can buy for a, a, a one year deal or even you know buy out the end or for next year as well because they'll need another reliever next year. But um, yeah, I, I just don't think it would be wise to go get Adam Jones for like the last bit of the year. I guess you know and because either you're gonna a have to give him up or give up something to get him, which they don't really have, and or b you're gonna have to use all the money you have now. The Mariners. Don't just have this eleven million. I, I refuse to believe that they just have this eleven million they got from Cano. They have more money than that. It's it's just a question of whether the ownership group can agree to what they're going to spend on because they can spend more than that. Uh, you know, and I don't know. You know, we don't get the 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 four one one on what the ownership group is thinking. You know, what are they are they angry at Cano about all this? Are they going to give up just because of this? But. Um, you know, you, you, they've made the Mariners have played so well to get to this point. They've got to kind of do something just to stay. You know, I'm looking at it's it's amazing. It's everything. You know how we kind of pointed out earlier in the year, though. Like looking at the standings now, Yankees are 28 and 12, Red Sox are 29 and 14, Houston's 28 and 17, and man, that American League Central, the Mariners would be like the easily the best team in that division. But it's just kind of playing how it out it is. So it's like the Angels and the Mariners. And maybe the Blue Jays really kind of duking it out for the, that last wild card spot. And the National League, on the other hand, is I mean, you've got the Braves with the best record in the National League, and they were, I mean, they were a team that most people thought were still in their tanking mode. But they, I mean, if you're a t- team that wants to look at uh, the benefits of that quote unquote tanking uh, method, look look at the Atlanta Braves who. Really went rebuilt very rapidly, and suddenly is a really good playoff style uh, caliber team. And you know the Phillies uh, are another team that's coming out the other side uh, and look like a playoff caliber team this year. So, um, and the, you know the Pirates are a team that that pretty much fire sailed during the off season, and they're in first place in the Central Division. At least they were yesterday. I, I haven't checked the standings today, uh, and. So the, I think most of the surprises are are in the national the National League right now. Uh, Larry, have you ever heard of Freddie Peralta? I have heard of Freddie Peralta. <laughs> had anybody else heard <laughs> of not... Freddie Peralta the other day? Till the other day, I hadn't. Yeah. I mean, I hadn't tracked the, the prospects from that. But Freddie Peralta was a pitcher who I think at the time was like nineteen or twenty. Was traded to the Brewers in the Adam Lynn trade. Um, and he came up the other day, and what, he struck out 14 in his debut against the Rockies? And gave up, gave up one hit as well, yeah. <laughs> I mean, this could, this could, I mean, it's way, who knows what's going to happen to his career, but this has the makings of one of those, uh, ex-Mariner stories that, <laughs> that could haunt, that could, could haunt, he's 21 years old, too. Well, let's uh, go, let's go back through this trade, okay. So, Jerry Depoto takes over. He had already traded Mark Trumbo twice. Once when he was the GM with the Angels, or once when he was with the G- was he the Angels, 
And then when he was with the, uh, or no, he was with the first uh, the Diamondbacks. Diamondbacks. He traded him when he was with the Diamondbacks oh, or oh, something. Is like that right? I don't no. remember. I don't remember. Maybe not. Yeah. I, I'm getting my timeline. But he he'd already traded him like once or twice. And so he trades Trumbo because he doesn't want to pay Trumbo like the arbitration figure of about eight million. He trades them to Baltimore for Steve Clevenger as a backup catcher. Now the Mariners needed a backup catcher. They probably didn't need one that was calling people animals, black people in general, animals on his Twitter account and getting suspended. Probably not a good thing. I mean, that guy never even played hardly. And then, so to offset not having Trumbo, they went out and got Adam Lind and they traded away these three pitchers or these three young arms, the Brewers, one of them being Freddie Peralta. So not only did Mark Trumbo not net anything, really, because Adam Lind wasn't very good. I mean, this is... This, yeah. The sequence of events is pretty amazing there. Yeah, it, it, it is. And it just goes to show you, when you see a bunch of names in a trade like that for prospects, you know, you see three prospects, they mean nothing. This guy was what, 18 years old when he was traded. Yeah. You don't, you know, you, th- you usually think nothing of that unless it's one of those, you know, uh, Baseball America uh, top 10 guys. And... Sometimes those are the guys that really come back to really change the way a deal is looked at. I mean, Peralta, if he turns into an ace stud, that 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 trade will <laughs> will will become uh, notorious. I mean, it's way too early to, to to say that the Mariners didn't get too much out of Adam Lind. No, uh, no, they did uh, not. Um, I'm looking at their so they the the three players were. Uh, Carlos Herrera, Freddie Peralta, and Daniel Masaki. Um, Carlos Herrera is in low A, not great. He looks like a 6.59 ERA kind of swing guy. Daniel Masaki, he didn't throw very He's a, a Japanese kid. I remember him. He had Tommy John. He's he's in Clinton. Um, I don't think he's ever played again. Wow. Yeah, he's never played again. So, so But the Freddie Peralta is just one guy, though. That could make it bad. Yeah, it's taken three years for the, for him to, to turn through the system, and and then he bursts on. I'd be interested. to And see we don't what know he if he's going to be great or not. Exactly. But... That's why I'm not saying that this is this is the worst deal ever. He might be uh, a one uh, a one time flash. I, I uh, he was uh, five. I... He was five and one with a three six three ERA in the PCL in seven starts. Yeah, yeah 40, he... 46 strikeouts in thirty four and two thirds innings. Right, and I mean the reports from the the game, his debut were, uh, you know, su- superb. The the stuff that he had and the swings and the misses and all that. So, I mean, they 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 could they they might really have something there, and certainly something the, the Mariners could use right now. Speaking of ex Mariners, have you ever sublexed your shoulder throwing your glove in anger? <laughs> No, I've never done that, and I've never uh, gotten carpal tunnels from uh, playing, playing for- Fortnite. That, that wasn't an ex-Mariner, but uh, yeah. some weird injuries. Baseball seems to bring them out. Boston uh, the- Boston writers eat that crap up, too. Oh, my God. <laughs> They're loving life on this stuff. Yeah, they were both on the Red Sox. Carson Smith, who uh, I at one point uh, had a man crush on and wrote a column saying he should be their closer. I remember that. Uh, and David Price was the uh, carpal tunnel thing, although now they are denying that's what caused his uh, 
his injury. <laughs> but I like to think it. I like to think it did. Just like I like to think that John Smoltz burned himself ironing a shirt that he was wearing at the time, even though he said that never happened either. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> or Kazusaki fell upstairs. Yeah, that one. Uh, that one I'm not so sure about. <laughs> uh, they, it was um, yeah. So Carson Smith. He he got he gave up a home run I think in the game he had a bad outing and he came in and um, threw his glove in anger and injured his shoulder and it apparently is not a good deal like I saw a Dombrowski quote where it seems to be a relatively serious injury. Well, he's had a he's hardly pitched for them since the, the, they got him in the uh, let's see it was the Elias uh, and who else was in that who did Wade the Miley get? and Jonathan Arroyo. Who was the first guy? Wade Miley. Oh, Wade Miley. That's right. Yeah, yeah that's right. Then they got Elias back. So, uh, <laughs> I mean, Wade, I'm, but Wade Miley didn't do too much for him either. No, of fact, no, and the, the whole team hated him pretty much. So. <laughs> uh, yeah, um, I remember the, like the Carson Smith thing. It it seemed bad to give him up at the time because he was really good. Uh, but I remember talking to some Mariners people like. He's going to break down. He doesn't work very hard, and he's going to break down because of the way he throws. And he really hasn't pitched much for the, the Red Sox because of, he had Tommy John, which they predicted. And, you know, I mean, I like the kid. Uh, you know, he was he was an interesting dude. He, um, But, yeah. Yeah, I, I definitely heard this stuff, too, about how he was an arm injury waiting to happen because of his uh, mechanics and his motion. And it, and it Turned out, turned out to be true as it as it often does when you hear that sort of thing. What have you? Uh, any takeaways from how the Mariners have played lately? Well, they're hanging in there. I mean, uh, uh, the the rotation I th- needs to step it up a little bit. The the er the, the, the starters ERA is not good. I'm really uh, anxious to see how Felix does you just never know what you're going to get from him night after night you know Paxton I think uh, has taken that next step I, I think it was understandable that he had a let, let down in his last last outing but um, you know I, I think the offense will be able to withstand the loss of Cano well enough uh, even though it's a big loss and then they'll drop off I think they have enough offense it's still going to come down to getting their bullpen together Juan Nicasio has to figure things out I mean he's right now he's my number one area you know red flag and that doesn't take a genius to, to say that to see that he's he's killing him right now and, and in, in such a key spot and uh, you know it's it's just imperative for the, for the team that he figures figures it out he had a really nice stretch there remember six or seven games where he was unscored upon mm-hmm. and then but his last four or five he just looks lost out there yeah it's his i find a scout from the cubs and he was just kind of saying look you know his slider just isn't that good of a pitch and i was looking on the the fan graphs like pitch values and it's a negative value pitch right now although so is his fastball but um like there isn't unless what nicasio is throwing 96 it's not keeping people off that slider and right now he doesn't throw the slider consistently enough for strikes to keep people away it's just he has no command with the fastball everything leaks over the middle and because the slider is not that great of a pitch at times it backs up and just kind of spins and then it gets really hit the, 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 there that's a problem right now for them they don't know what they're they want to do in the eighth inning i mean they're trying to go situational now 
you know, Vincent is going to be used. But if you've noticed, Vincent has dealt with some kind of arm fatigue a little bit at times because he's not going back to back and they've been a lot more careful with his usage because I think he just hasn't been bouncing back quite the way they want he wanted it to or the way they expect. So you've got Nicasio who hasn't been very good. You've got Vincent who you, you have to be careful with your usage. You have your other lefty, Zepchinski, who had been bad until yesterday. And then Pozzles has been pretty good for the most part, but they just are struggling with right-handed stuff like... Um, you know, and, and Alta Villa hasn't been very consistent either. Yeah, it, it as you mentioned earlier, uh, the loss of Phelps was just so huge for this team. He, he, things would have slid into place a little bit more if they had a healthy David David Phelps on their team. And yeah, you know, they getting, got a lot of. They, I'm getting, they got, uh, I'm getting I'm sorry, emails go from grammar police because I I use went instead of gone. You know what? Punch yourself in the face. <laughs> On a podcast? It, it, no, even no, it's oh. like I just, my emails are going off. Oh, I see. Okay, I thought I thought I thought people were uh, somehow hacking into this thing and already correcting us, even though it hasn't even been posted yet. No, no, no. <laughs> I'm just like, ah, uh, my email flashed up, and I'm like, sorry, I didn't mean to like lose you off the train of thought. Yes, I know the difference. I gone and went. <laughs> Yeah, I know. I there's there's people who whose sole enjoyment in life is catching uh, one of us in a grammar mistake. I hear from those people too. Those are people uh, I never want to meet <laughs> ever. Uh, whom you never want to meet? Uh, I mean, it's uh, like <laughs> you know, I write like three thousand words or five thousand words a day. Sometimes so I I just can't keep track of all of them. Yeah, I know. I know. The, the the gotcha mentality of Twitter and uh, the internet is just can be uh, depressing at times. I mean, the the people who just live to catch your mistakes uh, and the glee and the anger with which they point it out to you is uh, it can it can really just uh, yeah. I may have I may have blocked old takes exposed and freezing cold takes. <laughs> block them so I can't. They can't be used on there. I'm. I'm. I'm that childish. I, oh my god. I still haven't blocked anybody, but maybe one day. I haven't blocked. I mean, I. I I'll mute. I'll mute the hell out of some people, but I won't block anybody. I would never give anybody the satisfaction of saying I blocked them. <laughs> oh, do they know whether you blocked them? I mean, yeah, uh, they don't know right say, away. Yeah, I don't know. I have no idea. It's. It's weird. I. It's a weird place. <laughs> I know we went off on a tangent there. I'm yeah. sorry. What were we talking about? I don't even remember. Uh, well, we were just talking about Nicasio and their bullpen issues. Right. Oh, the, the, my impressions of the last week or so is what you what started it off. What What are your impressions of the of the last week? You were on the yeah. road trip. Yeah. Um, oh, they're moving the press box in Toronto to like left field. Oh, the uh, behind, White Sox model. Yeah, so, like even worse, like behind the foul pole. Yeah. Well, it's only a matter of time. I mean, that's the I mean, people. People don't care. People don't care about our uh, press box problems. No. But the, for for a hundred years, it was standard for the press box to be located right behind home plate because the the reporters were the eyes and ears of the fans, and they needed a good seat. And then it was the White Sox was the first I remember about fifteen years ago deciding that we're not going to give up the uh, prime seats behind home plate for the reporters. We'll stick them in the corner in, in uh, right field. And then the angels did it. And 
I predicted that it was going to be the next trend that, oh, that yeah. no new state, no new stadium was going to have the prime seats go to the uh, press box. And it seems to be slowly coming true. Uh, yeah, no, other than that, like the rest of the trip, I don't know. It's, they played okay. They played terribly in, in Detroit. The, the, the schedule was kind of messed up. The rain, um, I just didn't play very well. The, they get in the funks where they will just swing at everything, and I think it drives service crazy. Look, D. Gordon and, and Gene Segura are are going to are going to do that, but um, otherwise, it's just sometimes they they just get a little swing happy, and then we didn't know this because Nelson didn't tell us, but he was dealing with the flu and he had a bad fever, and he didn't hit well on the road trip. Um, I thought, you know, Ryan Healy has been better than I expected. Uh, yeah, I thought he was just going to be an all. Or, yeah, I thought he was going to be an all or nothing guy, but he's been a better hitter, and um, than I thought. You know, he's hit some singles to the right side. He's had better bats. You know, he's going to strike out, but um, you know that's that's kind of how baseball is. I thought he and he's been great at first base, even with the mistake he had yesterday. He's been great at first base. He's been he's been the most complete first baseman they've had in a long time, um, you know, in terms of just at the play in the field. You know, Smoke was great in the field, but not so great at the play. Lomo was okay at the play, you know, but he's he's given them some hope in that position. Yeah, you know, I, I just thought he was a placeholder for uh, the first-round pick whose name always escapes me. Evan White, is that his name? Yeah. Um, yeah, White. for Evan White. And to me, he's looking like he could be something more, like a guy you want to keep out there as a – kind of, uh, you know, a long-term solution. But then Evan White is, I mean, about as good as it gets defensively from what I've seen and heard. Uh, he's like Mark Grace, dude. It's amazing. Yeah, but he also had, he's also a guy you could, and from the day they drafted him, people speculated that he would be moved to the outfield. Uh, you know, if Healy, ha- if Healy puts together a, a full season of nine nine hundred plus OPS with playing the defense he is you have to at least think about that I would think yeah and Evan White's a couple years away anyways I mean a lot can change till then yeah so. yeah absolutely uh, but, yeah I thought he's know. that was one thing Seager's hitting that was something you know he's he's starting to hit a little bit more it's May so all of a sudden he's hitting more <laughs> and Zunino uh, talk about all or nothing. He can look as bad as anybody in baseball for a couple of at bats, and then uh, and then hit one six hundred feet the next at bat. Yeah, um, I, I'm still waiting for him to show a little more consistency in his at bats, like he started to do in the second half of last year. I think missing those couple of weeks at the beginning of the season after a great spring was really really tough on his start. Uh, it's really a shame. You know, I think he was poised to have that breakout year for a full year. And then, and then he, he still, uh, it took him a while. And I think he's still coming back from, from the, the disruption there. Um, but you know, you still look at him, he's hitting two two Oh five or something, but he still has an OPS over 700. Uh, and he's still hitting the ball out of the park on a fairly regular basis. Yeah. I mean, and it, it, like having him makes Paxton better. I mean, it just does. He's yeah, no, so defensively he's excellent. Um, yeah, I don't know. That's about. I mean, Gene Segura, you know, not a good base runner at times. I mean, he had the steals the other night, but he does some goofy stuff on the bases. <laughs> yeah, he does for sure. Uh, 
Well, I think it's about it. We can wrap it up. I mean, we got through the D, the Robbie stuff. You know, it's not easy to talk about, mostly because it's just like, what is there to analyze? He he, you know, he tested positive. They have to move on. You know, they they seem to be in the right parts. I, I'll be curious to see, um, you know, when they move D to second base this weekend. If it's every day, he's gonna be at second base. I mean, I, I would think so. Um, do they they get rid of Gordon Beckham then? They bring in an, they got to have another outfielder. I guess Romine can play the fourth outfield spot too, and he's been okay. So, I, yeah, I don't, I don't think they have any need for uh, Gordon Beckham. I mean, he had a, pretty much a two or three game tryout. First game he struck out what two or three times, then he had two hits the next game. But if if Gordon's going to be playing every day. And it sounds like he is. Uh, you really don't need Beckham, I don't think. Yeah, yeah, and I don't. I just don't know. I mean, I don't think they're calling up Jason Worth either. Do you? I'm... I don't think so. He had one really good game. I guess if he could put together a few, maybe, maybe you do. I mean, why do you why do you sign the guy though if you're not? I think it was more of a favor to him than anything. Yeah. I mean, he's not very good defensively, so you're always going to have to put the defensive player in. Um, I don't think they'll call up Ian Miller. I don't know. Yeah. Kirk Neuenheis hasn't really been hitting, but he's never really been much of a hitter. 236. Perkins or whatever his name is. Yeah, Cam Perkins. I I don't know. Maybe they'll find somebody. Michael Saunders is out there, too. Maybe they'll just (laughs) sign him. Who knows? Michael Saunders is on his uh, tour of the major leagues. It seems like he's played for just about everybody in the last two years. Well, all right, let's uh, let's end it here. I okay. gotta get going. What so. do you gotta do? You're on vacation. I am. Well, I'm my. The reason I'm on vacation is so I can hang out with my daughter, and then uh, so I've had to work two days, and now I've on this podcast. I've I got some hanging out to do. Okay. Well, you have fun hanging out. I'll talk to you later. <laughs> all right. See, see you. Okay, that'll do it for this week's podcast. Uh, big thanks to Larry Stone for coming on on his vacation day. Um, thanks to everyone for listening. Thanks to Midnight Salvage Company, the official house band of the Extra Earnings Podcast for the bumper music. As always, you can leave any questions, comments, or otherwise uh, for me at my email, Ryan R. Divish at Seattle Times. Uh, hit me up at Ryan Divish on Twitter or even on my professional Facebook page. Um, and we will try and get something recorded maybe Sunday night. Um, wrapping up this series. If there's something newsworthy, if not, we'll try and do it sometime later next week. Thanks again for listening. We'll talk to you soon.